101FM management wish to advise that the opinions and comments stated on this program are not to be considered as endorsed by Radio Logan Incorporated. Broadcasting live from our Logan Central studios, this is 101FM. The following business program is general in nature and designed as entertainment. It should not be considered advice. Monday night, and you know what that means. It's time for the Business 101 Show. Introducing Coach Nicky. Here's your host, Coach Nicky. Logan 101's very own Mal West. Welcome to the Monday uh, Business 101 show. Coach Nikki. g'day, how are you going? G'day, Mel. How are you? I'm doing extremely well. Also joining us in the studio, uh, Kerry. Hello. Sabre. How are you? Very well, thank you. It has been a busy, busy week. Uh, seven days since last time we were here. <laughs> he's, he's limbering up. It's full of beans. It's going to be a What's big show. On? It's going to be a big show. Big show tonight. Really want to bring it. Uh, you know, tonight's show is how to identify your ideal customer. This is all part of the work that Kerry and I did to plan... Um, our our shows ahead of time to bring the most value that we can for the listeners. So we're quite excited to roll this one tonight to see how it goes. Mel, you know we do everything live. So this is the live lab. I'm about 80% that it's going to come come right for this show. So we'll see how we go by the end of it. And you can be the judge make, and uh, make sure you contact us as well. People can get in contact with us with the show. We love interaction. So feel free to give us a call or messages on Facebook. We are here live and happening. We are. Well, I will guess I'll jump straight into what are you grateful for this week? And Nikki, I'm going to start with you. I normally start with Mal, but we'll go with Nikki this week. What are you grateful mm. for this week? Uh, something really simple, I, and it's going to sound really weird. I really was grateful for the rain this morning. I actually uh, laid in bed about 4 a.m. It was raining, and I spent about an hour just sort of snoozing, listening to the rain out on the balcony, which if you haven't done that for a while, it's incredibly calming. So I'm really nice. grateful just for something as simple as the beautiful sound of the rain. Mal, again? Uh, well... The rain, yes, grateful for that as well because it wasn't yesterday because we had the outside broadcast at the global food markets. So I suppose what I'm grateful for is the opportunity. I, I said this has been like 18 months in the in the pipeline to, to actually get the, the radio station 101 out to the global food markets uh, and uh, let the people of uh, our region know exactly what we do have, a little hidden gem. And I know you popped along, Kerry. I did. I had a fantastic time. It's the first time I've actually been to the global food markets. And to say that I was impressed seems like a, a bit of an understatement because uh, it was amazing. And your husband? He, Yeah, he was even more so surprised than I was. It wasn't what he was expecting at all, but he had a great time. And, of course, our very own Steve Senior, he'll be in uh, later on uh, tonight from uh, 7 o'clock for Aussie Homegrown. Uh, he, he joined us. And his eyes were like like golf balls, you know, this dishes just there. Wow, wow. And he, he went for a walk up and down. So, yeah, it was great. So grateful for the fact that we had the opportunity uh, to get there and the weather held off for us. Fantastic. And for me, guys, I'm just grateful to be back here doing another show with you guys. Aww. I really love my Mondays. Yeah, Mondays are a good day. Mondays are a good too. day. It's the start of the week and we've got the show, so have it always Have you always high. loved Mondays? No. I've always loved Mondays. People live for Fridays. Actually, for Mondays because I've got a whole week to do something new in. So, it, like, makes me weird, right? But Mondays have always been my favourite day of the week. Well, you, we've seen your weird side this afternoon, mm. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can get in touch with us here at uh, the Business One Hundred and One Show via Facebook uh, at Business One Hundred and One Show or three eighty double eight one hundred and one. That's three eighty double eight one hundred and one. It's time for that uh, news. Now, just before you go to news, Mel, 
I've got, go. I've got a beef and Ooh. I want to I I throw it out to the audience because I want to get some feedback. Okay? Tell me if I'm being unreasonable. So here's the picture. Saturday, I'm out doing market research with Millie, looking at houses, and we've gone up to the local shopping strip that's half built, um, had a coffee, walked around, and I needed a haircut because my hair was pretty long. So I go into this barber, and it's sort of like a half-developed area, so it's not like this place is not booming, there's empty shops everywhere. The barber had two people in the shop, and I walked in and said, oh, g'day, can you um, cut my hair? And the girl said, oh, I'm sorry, we're really busy today. We won't be able to fit you in. And I went, really? Okay, thanks. And I walked out. And I was so frustrated because I go, how easy would it have been? They own the coffee shop as well. How easy would it have been to go, you know what? We are fully booked, but we can fit you in. So could you just go have a coffee and I'll make sure I get you into the schedule. I, I get that you have to book. I get that it takes X amount of minutes to provide a service as a barber, right? But you can't tell me that you can't fit in someone with like my balding head. It'll take you 10 minutes to give me a haircut and you would have pocketed, what, $40 for a proper barber's charge? right? It frustrated me because if that business turns away me on a Saturday, I'm just nobody that blew in off the street and I'll never go back there because I was just walking around. Can you imagine if you do that two or three times a day? You multiply that out in lost revenue over a year and then don't come back and cry to me when you go broke. Like I just think with just a couple of broader thinking that people should really go actually, so I get the whole premise of you've got two chairs, two barbers, you can only do so many haircuts now. I get all that. But at the end of the day, my expectation is you need to serve me. So be smart about it. Humor me with a coffee. Work me into the time. So say, you know what? We're really busy. But if you can, I'll give you a coffee over here. It might take about half an hour to fit you in, but I'll get you in. Would that be okay? I need to talk to you about the local barber just down the road here, <laughs> Jacaranda <laughs> Avenue, the family barber shop. Uh, on your point, mm. I'm a little bit different to that. I, I, I do the walk-ins as well. But if they can't fit you in, I mean... You go to the barber, you want them to take the time to do a good cut, not just a quick, you know, zip, 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 and there you go, and off you go, because, um, you know, you want to look your best. So you've got to pick your barber shop. Uh, the one I go to, they do a, do a lot of um, the Islander men guys. You're not talking they, about specifics, are you? No, no, I'm not talking about not the, the family place. barber shop uh, okay. down Another uh, good on Jacaranda Avenue, there. okay? They do a great job, uh, John and his boys down there. I like going there because they take the time. I don't mind sitting there for an extra five or ten minutes because I watch them and how they do it. And they take the time because the end result, everyone walks out there with a smile. And anyway, that's just me having a go with you talking No, I get about. it. But again, the business process for me then is, well, they should have asked me and said, well, what sort of cut are you looking for? Because, you, again, you could pre-qualify and weed me out. You could manage me out of the situation. But I didn't feel like I got a, I got a hearing or I got a look in, right? So it's the same thing. I walk up to a restaurant. You walk, how often have you done this? You walk up to a restaurant with your missus or your hubby or your, your girlfriend, you, you know, up, up you go, seven o'clock, and you go, hi, um, just doing a walk-in, haven't got a booking. Oh, no, sorry, we're fully booked. Half the restaurant's bloody empty. You can't tell me that you couldn't then just go, actually, you know, we are fully booked, but um, if you are not slow eaters, like if you can get in and out in 45 minutes, we would be happy to seat you because we can fit you in. You can't tell me that you cannot fit two more people in because there's got to be an attrition rate where people won't come in anyway. And this is sometimes where that whole walking concept is actually a better way to go as opposed to bookings. I get Okay, so I get why they take bookings, especially in hospo, because hospo is a nightmare. But you know what? If you're going to take a booking, take my bloody credit card at the same time and charge me a booking fee. So it's non-refundable if I don't show up. So you've already got the table covered on the cover. But if I do show up, it comes off the bill. Right? 
It just drives me nuts. So then again, so okay, guess what's coming out Thursday night? James Bond. James Bond's releasing on Thursday night, so make sure you book tickets. I book tickets because uh, I live in the valley in the city, so I book tickets at Elizabeth Street Theatre. Friday night, we're going there. Beautiful. Nice little Thai restaurant down the road. I thought, you know what? I'm going to book a table, take Millie to a, a nice night out. I go to their website. No online booking. I think, that's bloody odd. They're, they're, a, they're a restaurant. Sends me to the Facebook page, looking all over Facebook, saying I find a book now button. No, no book now. I find an email address. You beauty. I said, g'day. I'm never this organised, guys. Never this organised. So I'm emailing. said, okay, g'day, guys. Uh, t- date night, Friday night. Can I book in at 6.30? It's an 8 o'clock movie. You know, 6.30 be great. Just table for two. I get an email back really fast on a Sunday, 10 minutes later, saying, oh, sorry for your inconvenience. Uh, we don't do email bookings. Call the restaurant during opening hours. Automated reply. No, I actually think someone typed it. Mm-hmm. So here's my point. If you can email me and tell me to ring the restaurant, you can email the restaurant and tell them to book me in. What? Am I missing something? <laughs> Why is it making it so hard for the customer to come and spend money? So you know what my response to that restaurant was? No worries. I'll find a restaurant that wants my booking. Thanks. It just really gets me angry. These Make are it not easy for yes, your customers these are to not do business hard with you. things. These are not big things. And it's not the business trying to screen me out. Like if you've got a good pre-qualification process, we've got a no Nikki process, totally respect that, right? Like if you've worked out a way of managing me out of your system, sure. But this to me, this is just stupidity and ignorance. You know what? Those sort of businesses, they deserve to go bust because they really haven't thought through what the customer experience is. So that really is why I'm in a bad mood today. Because two things in two days, something so simple when business is so tough, especially for HOSPO and for service industries. Well, I'm sorry, if you're going to carry on like that, you deserve to go. And here we thought it was the red cordial. No, Now we know. That's my two cents <laughs> for today. Please be better. All right, let's get into the news of the week. And I'll do it in a calm voice. <laughs> hey, I want you to meet Ahmad Nasser. He had a passion for flying. The only problem was he was a temporary visa holder. So not to be perturbed, he couldn't carry on in his airline industry here in Australia. He bought an A320 simulator in pieces for $100,000 from overseas and got it shipped in. He also bought an Easy Mart in Sydney. So what did he do? He set up the simulator in a back room of the Easy Mart and he then continued on getting his flying hours up. He's become so famous in Sydney because across the road just so happened to be the ICAC hearing so all the journalists came in to buy coffees and stuff from the Easy Mart they saw the full flight simulator and the rest is history so now he's making a bucket load of money by taking photos and running the simulator and he's now one of the best known flight simulator Easy Marts in Sydney so how cool is that the point of that news of the week is don't give up on your dream he had a dream and he thought you know what I'm going to make this happen I'm going to keep my hours up and I'm going to become a pilot so I thought that's worth a mention well done son good good Look, it's bad news if you run a hospitality business. Hospo worker shortages are set to top 100,000 unfilled vacancies this month. 20,000 baristas, 15,000 wait staff, 14,000 bartenders and 11,000 chefs are the top jobs with highest vacancies. Maybe this is why they don't want me to book online. It's time for the federal government to let in FIFO workers to do these and other jobs. And I'll share with you a quick story uh, that I observed in Manila Airport last year that will address this directly. Look, I've talked about the Great Resignation before. It's a topic that's been given a lot of media attention again this week, especially the last couple of weeks. If the media is correct, then approximately 40% of workers are looking at switching their employer. 40% as lockdown restrictions ease. Now, I did report on this last week, but I thought it was worth mentioning again, as anything you can do to lock in your staff now is what you should be doing. Now, just as a side note, 
they're paying baristas in the city at the moment $50 an hour when the going rate's 25 because they just cannot fill the vacancies. So, yeah, amazing stuff, right? They're having to pay over the odds, pay double. Facebook corporate entity rebranded itself to Metaverse this week. You may have heard this, guys. Yeah. Even the most successful companies have problems and use rebranding as a tool to put some distance between themselves and historical issues. The move is to free up the thinking at HQ to build a new metaverse that is a virtual reality world where we coexist with our real-life selves online. There have been plenty of movies made about this type of blended VR, and it's truly frightening. Imagine a world where everything we do is tracked by the metaverse. You get rewards for taking certain actions as decided by the company. Living on virtual coins, you can buy things in real life. Further imagine a place where you spend more time engaging in the world behind a VR headset, commenting and interacting with your friends and random strangers on their photos, their meals and their holiday pictures, while sending disappearing communications to your other friends so that it feels like there's urgency in your chat. Sound familiar? It's what we already do now, just on a handheld screen. But add in a custom climate-controlled sensory cocoon where you won't be disturbed and add in a VR headset and all of a sudden the metaverse becomes the norm, not real life. Now, if you think about what a virtual reality headset does, it takes out your peripheral vision. Now, if you're going to have really good vision on a situation, you need your peripheral vision, but VR takes that out. So this is the, the real problem I've got with this, this whole idea of we're going to live more online than we are in the real world. It's where, what is it, reality imitates art, imitates reality. It's, it's got me quite concerned. But there you go, Metaverse and Facebook, and that's what they have changed to this week. Is it okay for former PMs to openly call out our current PM and call him a liar? Well, that's what former PM Turnbull did this week with relation to the French President Macron's aspersion that the Aussie PM lied to him. It's a bad look for Turnbull, who needs to know when to show some grace and when to show attack. We do have certain expectations of our former leaders to act in a certain way. Oh, and just to confirm really about the France issue, that France is not really that relevant to Australia's national interest. It's our 17th trading partner. We import $5 billion and we export $1.5 billion. France invested $25 billion in Australia as of 2018 in the year, and we invested double that at $51 billion. Also, the subs deal that our national broadcaster, the ABC, is still banging on about was failing. In 2020, the National Audit Office found that the program was running almost a year behind schedule and had two missed contractual milestones. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, review and consequence are keys to keeping performance high. Why are things getting more expensive? It's simple. We're on an island and it costs us more than three times than it did to get things to our shores. Price increases are already happening, and with this direct cost of goods sold increase, there is no way that pretty much everything won't go up in price. Now, just ask the owner of Hungry Jack's and the biggest shareholder in Domino's Pizza, Jack Cowan. He outlines that direct freight costs have almost doubled for the group, up by $40 million or about 3% of their revenue. So if you couple this with increasing house prices, petrol prices, and overemployment, we're on an express ride to higher inflation, mortgage rates, and increased costs of living. So something's got to give. And for me, for our business tribe, it's got me a little bit concerned going into the middle of next year, going, where is all this going to end up? Now, let's finish on a fun fact. This fun fact was shared by Jack Cohen's Hungry Jacks. Kerry, out of drive-through and counter sales what do you reckon the number is drive-through and home delivery well you already know the answer to this we talked about this earlier. i do but I, my answer before was 70 percent yeah mel uh, i actually said about 30 40 percent yeah so what about you at home what do you think the percentage of sales is at hungry jacks drive-through home delivery versus counter pick a number what do you think the number 
is 90. 90% of sales is done through the drive-through and home delivery. So 15% at home delivery, 75% done through the drive-through, and 10% is done at the counter. That that's that's mind blowing, right? It that's is mind blowing. Cool, yeah. so well, sometimes, that, uh, you know, particularly like you know, hungry jacks is what you're talking about there. I mean. They shut the doors maybe 10 or 11 o'clock at night, but they go 24 hours. In the drive-thru, yeah. Didn't think of that when I made my answer, did I? Mm. No, and don't try getting served on a bicycle. (laughs) I get so, I I keep getting (laughs) back on a bike. So coming up, uh, we do have uh, the business hot seat. Who is our guest, Nikki? We have a fantastic guest, a return guest, uh, Aussie Pet Collective. And they were in uh, eight months ago, Desley and Jeff. It's just Desley this time. And she's sharing with us what the first year was like. It's their one year anniversary on Saturday. That's coming up as part of the Business Hot Seat here on the Business 101 show. Are you ready for this week's Business Hot Seat? In five, in five four, four, three, three, two, two, two one, one. Part of what we like to do here at the Business 101 show is to check back in with people to see how their journey of doing business is going. In March this year, Desley and Jeff from Aussie Pet Collective spoke to us when they were just four months on in their first business venture. Now it's my pleasure to welcome back Desley from Aussie Pet Collective to find out what has she learnt, what are some of the big takeaways that she would like to share with the rest of us business owners to make sure that we can succeed faster. Let's catch up with Desley from Aussie Pet Collective. Hi, how are you, Nikki? Good, thanks. Now, hey, something super special is happening. I believe it's this weekend. That's absolutely right. It's our shop's first birthday this weekend. We're very excited about it. It's one year already. I know, hasn't that gone fast? It's gone mm. really fast. So as you reflect on 12 months and it's been a difficult 12 months during the pandemic and things how how what what reflections do you have i still like i believe this is a really good idea the concept of our shop yep. um we've learned an awful lot peers along the way made some big mistakes but we opened the store november last year with 14 businesses in so for people who don't know we rent space to small australian businesses so we had 14 businesses who started with us um, I just counted them before, and we're up to 65 businesses now. So, obviously, the idea of having a shop that is all Australian-made, um, small businesses, and it's all about pets, people seem to like that idea, that concept. So, we've learned heaps, learned heaps. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I mean, just the sheer number of people that wanting to take part in it really is ratification of the idea, isn't it? Mm, it is. And, you know, during the week, we have uh, lots of customers come through, a lot of regular ones. On the weekends, we just get slammed around here. It's really, um, it's great to see so many people coming out to, to support small Australian businesses and to buy things for their pets. So, yeah, it's a great idea, great concept. Yeah, yours is a really good local success story because, like you said, it's all Aussie-made and it's all about our fur babies. So we want to yep. be careful of what we're putting on them or in them like and where from. That's really yep. important to people. You know what I love about you also? When you do those theme days around breeds, it actually gives people a chance to come together in their tribe. And Absolutely. that just seems to work a treat because people with you know this breed of dog come together and you specifically yep. focus in on that. I think that's just absolute gold. Yeah, we, we, look, we started that, that concept for a few reasons. One is we were getting fielding a lot of questions from customers about the, the dog they had, particularly about the breed-related um, concept of their dog, and they weren't sure why this was happening. For, you know, for example, people who've got a terrier, for example, and it was constantly hunting and they couldn't stop it. 
So we started the Breed Days to educate people about specific breeds. And the, and the idea that they could all get together, as you said, Vicky, people love that. They love, we had Chihuahua Day here last week. We had French Bulldog Day Aww. a few weeks ago. And they all come together. They all love to, you know, there's an area where they can all play and meet and greet and socialise. And, yeah, it's just, it's really nice. And the public can come in and ask questions to people who already got that particular breed to find out a little bit more and to educate them so that they're more aware when they do purchase their fur baby that they have a little bit more understanding of the breed behind the dog. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think that dogs actually recognise their own breed? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt, um, I think a lot of dog breeds are quite um, racist against other breeds. Like you can have a whole, like for example, Chihuahuas on Saturday, the Chihuahua Rescue of Queensland was in for our community day and there was a whole heap of them in playing. It was wonderful. And then a non-Chihuahua turned up at the shop and everybody went berserk. So, yeah, they're very, very aware of other breeds. Just like humans, they're tribal. It's just hardwired into DNA, isn't it? Absolutely. If something yep. looks different from us, then we notice it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, now, Desley, you know, we've had you on the show uh, a little while ago now and, and talked yep. about where you've come from and setting up the business. And you said just in earlier that you made some big mistakes, you've made some good gains. Yep. What's one of the mistakes you made that other business people could learn from so that they don't do it? Um, yeah, I think... Putting you on the spot, but, you know. No, you're right. I think the answer to that question for both my husband, Jeff, and I, mm. who run this business would be our attitudes towards other businesses. Like, we started this on a kind of a bit of a handshake deal. We had certainly legalised paperwork in place for new vendors and things like that. You know, our rule has always been, you treat us well, we'll treat you well. But when you're dealing with 65 businesses, that's a lot of people you're dealing with. And we've got burnt over the time. So our our contracts, our paperwork has become a lot more official, a lot more um, concrete, if you like. So I think we've learnt... We got taken advantage of a few times, I think, and so we've learnt not to to do that as much. Our attitude is still that we're trying to support all these businesses as much as we can. But um, yeah, we're we're a little bit firmer, I think, in our um, in our intentions of what we want from them, what we need from them. Um, yeah, I think that's been our biggest mistake. We've changed many things in our paperwork over time to get exactly where we want it to be now. So. Um, well, good yeah, on you because it. making those innovations is that's how you improve as a business, right? So, well, good on you for I think doing we it. had to. Yeah, I think we had to as well. You know, we yeah, it was it's been a learning process without a doubt. It's also been really interesting for us because as we started with fourteen businesses, so it was quite an easy way to start small, if you like, mm-hmm. so that we could iron out all the kinks and get everything organised and. So as we started to really grow and develop in the last few months, it's just gone. So, you know, we've realised our own limitations. So we now have people helping us with different aspects of the shop, whereas we were doing it all ourselves before. We just can't cope with that now because of the sheer volume of work that goes through the doors. So, yeah, so I think that's been a big thing as well. But, but you know, like Nikki, as you know, when we interviewed last time, I had a business plan that I had developed and we stuck to that and we still stick to I still stick to that. I still bring that out every now and then. It's got scratches all over it and... Mm-hmm. Things are being erased off and, you know, written in and all that. But that's been my guidelines, if you like, and I stick to that where I possibly can. So, yeah. Yeah, good on you. And if it's a living document, then you're on the right path because so many people do want to yep. put it in a drawer and never look at it again. So Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well, we wanted to wish you a happy birthday. 12 months, first 12 months in your new business. That's a big milestone. I hope you take the time on Saturday to actually enjoy and look around and survey everything that you've created because yourself and Jeff, you created that from scratch. So, well done. 
Thank you, Nikki. We really appreciate it. Like, we've got an amazing group of vendors in here. It's a real community spirit that we're trying to develop. A lot of cross-promotion, a lot of support between all the businesses. And, yeah, we're very proud of where we got. We never thought we'd get here, as you said before. It's been a long year, hard year, five lockdowns, an extended lockdown. It's been crazy. But at the end of the day, we've come through really strong. Um, and, yeah, I'm very proud of the group of people that, that are in this shop that are, yeah, small Australian businesses. Yeah. It's a great journey. So we're going to have a glass of champagne on Saturday or two. Yeah, no, we've got a huge sales on, on Saturday and lots of celebrations. So, yeah, um, lots of giveaways on the day and samples and things like that. So the public are welcome to come in and have a look. Good on you. Well, congratulations again. And look, folks, if you want to support a local Logan business that really is all about Australian-made, get down to Aussie Pet Collective on Saturday and go and see Desley and say congratulations and well done because it's your first birthday. Good effort. Thank you. Catch you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Business 101 Show on Logan City's number one, 101 FM. Coaches Corner. This is a really important one. How to identify and end up with a business full of your ideal clients. How to identify your ideal client. Now, I get the whole um, thinking behind this. When I first started in my working life, working at one of the big mortgage brokers, I'll never forget my state manager said to me, well, if they've got a heartbeat and the mirror fogs up when you put the mirror under their nose and a credit card, that's your ideal client. Basically saying anyone who can pay, that's, you know, that's a client. No, that's not. That's a client. But what we're talking about here is actually trying to have a business by design. And how do you design a business that you're going to love to work in and go to every day? And that is only if you have them full of ideal clients, as in your favorite client. Now, if you've never really thought about this in this regard, you may think that when I say to you, Kerry, who's your favorite client? And you probably have someone flash up in your mind's eye. They may be your favorite client, but it doesn't mean they are your ideal client. So again, if you run a business, you may have a picture of who you really like as a client, but that doesn't mean it's your ideal client. So to break this down and how to work out who your ideal client is, it works around three different things, process, people, and personality. So if you take your business... If you're an existing business, it'll be easier for you. If you're a startup business, it'll be a little bit harder in some things, but just doesn't matter where you're at on the journey. What does your business do? What's the process of your business? So if you're an online business, now it's easier if we talk in examples. So if I was going to start a rapid nappy delivery service, okay, I'd want to start that online. Um, what are the processes that I'm going to need to build around that? What are the must-haves uh, that I must have for the nappy delivery service? So it's like, okay, uh, it's going to have an app integration. It's going to be low on customer service. It's going to be an instant um, show people where their order's at and where their delivery's at. So the process is quite simple. It's very heavily digitally based. Okay, make sense? Yep. Everyone with me so far? Yep. All right. So I go from there and go right from the process. Now, what about... The people. What do the people, my client, need to possess to actually be happy and to be served um, in that business? What do you think some of those things would be? The need for nappies. Yeah, need for nappies, <laughs> yes. Essentially. Very, yeah, very interesting. Um, a lot of people put the need for nappies up first in the process, but no, it's right. So they've got to have a need for nappies. Ideally, they've got to be time poor or they've got to be also in a higher income bracket because my rapid nappy delivery service uh, might have to charge you the cost to actually get it delivered to you through Uber or through my delivery partners. So they're the, the must-haves that I must have in that. You've got a you know, high disposable income, time poor, need to have nappies. Pretty simple, right? So you've got the process, you've got the people, then you also get to choose the personality of the customer that you want to deal with. So what type of customer are you after? Are you after a customer that is very self-service orientated, very down to earth, 
um, very real or do you want a customer that is uh, high maintenance and like a drama queen but it also means then you can actually uh, charge more to service those clients because you can build more services around them so in my rapid nappy delivery service I wanted a customer that was just every day down to earth um, was happy to help themselves and I actually have a no drama policy attached to every one of my businesses that I operate so I would actually put this against the rapid nappy delivery service as well so once you identified those three things you can actually then get a proper picture of the person. So what I want you to do then is actually, I want you to name the person. Um, give Now you might have a female version and a male version of your customer. So I want you to name, pick a name for a female. Give me a female name, Mel. Mary. Okay, so Mary's gonna be my female customer for the nappies and give me a boy's name. John. John, okay. So Mary and John. What I want you to do is go to Google and Google the name Mary, Google the name John and find an avatar picture for each one of your um, ideal clients. Then I want you to print it out. And then what I want you to do is go back and write uh, process the people. Um, and I've gone blank. Don't you love when you blank out? Process people and the personality traits that you just identified under that picture because that will give you a very clear focus on who your ideal client is stick that avatar up in front of you on your office desk and now every decision that you make they are the people that you are serving that is your customer i like it now did you notice i haven't talked about any demos asl age sex location no demographic information that's a typical avatar that we're all used to talking it's the about first building. thing especially digital coaches yes. you'll go straight for the demos right <laughs> it's what we all now, do now it is it is important but it's the second step for me the first step is identifying the who the the, the personality, the, the embodiment of your customer. And then it's about, because what are you going to use demos for, Kerry? You're going to use that to work out where are they? Marketing, How do I get to them? How yeah. do I get in front of them, right? Not interested about that yet. I still want to like create a real clear picture of that. And then it's going to go down into the digital rabbit hole because that's where we're going to do lead gen and drive the business. So if you're an existing customer, you know I love mechanics and hairdressers and stuff. I want you to do this exercise and I want you to think about who your ideal customer is. Now, Mel, you run thermal scanning, right? So when you think about your ideal customer, start thinking along those lines. Does it start to formulate? Well, it depends on which, which um, avenue of the thermal that you're doing. Yep. Predominantly electrical and me- mechanical is what... Yeah, let's leave the horses to one side yep. and let's just do like electrical. So work. it's basically you're looking for industry that uses large amounts of electricity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Industries that are paramount with safety because it is a preventive maintenance tool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So things that come into mind are large production facilities, hotels, shopping centers, um, those sorts of areas. So that's the people. So process then. What's the process that they would have to have? Well, you basically, you know, what you're looking for is their need. Yep. Okay. Now, if it's a safety aspect, because electrical you know, safety is important. So for a shopping centre, for argument's sake, um, the, the big triggers are safety. So if you have an electrical fire that is in, uh, that in one of your switchboards in your shopping centre and the fire brigade gets called and there is a fire, actual fire and the police get called, traffic control, all of a sudden people go, oh, oh it's a dangerous area, dangerous shopping centre, I don't want to... Uh, yeah. So that's back to the people in the people bracket. So you're looking for high-risk-averse clients... Yeah. Because they will be looking for that service. So that's the type of client that you want. So the process for the client then is to break down what are the key attributes they need to have. They need to be looking that they need the service. They need to be a digital booker because you'd like them to book digitally. 
So yeah. again, they're going to have those type of they're the processes in your business for yeah. booking. So they're looking they're looking uh, to they have a problem they have a, uh, a need whether it's uh, you know, they don't think it sometimes you know when it comes to electrical safety um, they they think that I'll, I'll run it till it falls over, but sometimes it falls over and causes them. I'm not sure you can put ignorant down as a personality trait, but maybe so because maybe they don't know they need you, but that's more like. That t- type of thought is more leaning into like lead gen over in the digital side, I think, with, you're right, so that's like a cold traffic item because they're actually not aware they need your service. But I like where you're going on that. I love putting you on the spot because just you give me that look going, why are you talking to me, <laughs> Coach Nicky? But Mel runs a successful scanning business as well. So it doesn't matter whether you're running a coaching business like Kerry, a scanning business like Mel, a flower business like mine. These key principles on how to identify your ideal client, guess what it's going to prevent? It's going to prevent you having a, 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 industry, uh, a company full of customers that you hate. Well, I mean, bringing that back to uh, the business owner, it, it's going to prevent burnout because mm. when you're working with customers and clients that you find difficult and it's hard work, you burn yourself out or they're very time consuming. You work too much. Now, you told me privately in a private conversation a couple of weeks ago, so I'm going to share it with the whole Gee, world. Gee, thanks. Um, <laughs> you said to me, the number one client that absolutely, to tears, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. is the person that won't commit to actually doing just the micro-step work and they just don't commit the time. Yeah. And you're actually going, well, they've actually got to be worthy of my time. Yes. Because they have to do the work and I'm, th- there's a marriage, it's a relationship, right? Yes. So again, it works for coaches. Your ideal client is someone who's actually going to back up and put into action what you want them to. So... By identifying your ideal client, you actually set yourself up for success. Now, just think about that. I can hear people screaming at their radio as I'm talking, going, no, you idiot. It's just anyone who's got a credit card and who can pay the bill. Sure, that will get you revenue, and that keeps you just on a transactional And a lot business. of us start out that way, don't we? Absolutely no problem We go, you know what, we'll take any take customer any that'll come that comes to us. in the front door. That's right. And maybe that's the, the conversation then is, well, when's the pivot point when do you get to that point where you go okay now I need to actually look at who I want to work with or who I want my client to be well here's the problem if I at the rapid nappy service didn't get clear on who I wanted and then set about setting the digital strategy to attract the ideal customer which again next week shows all about the digital right Um, I would have a problem because if I attracted people that wanted to speak to me on the phone I would actually have a cost blowout because I didn't want to support that from a customer service point of view So this has real ramifications in your process division and also has real cost uh, impact on how you want to set up and how much it's going to cost you. So true. But like I was saying, a lot of us do start out just taking everybody that we can. But if we actually sat down and did this process, it would be so much easier, particularly that first year. And people, you can design the, the business that you want. You can actually be very conscious about what you create because, again, going back to your core reason of why and then create your ideal client or get a picture, a clear picture of that person or those persons. And then like Mal, he's got two different uh, sides to his business, one for the equine scanning and one for like the electrical stuff. There would be two different avatars on that. And then that's important too, because when we take that to the digital step next week, that how to attract those clients will obviously have different um, attraction points. So that is the biggest thing I can bring to you. If, you've, if you're clear on that, you'll, you'll have a very good shot at not creating a business that you're going to hate. And that's important because we're going to be there every day. Love it. I was sitting in Manila Airport 
uh, last time I was allowed to fly, which is like two years ago. <laughs> and this, this thought struck me, and it goes to the news of the week that I read out earlier. Because our labour shortage is so great, and I know you know borders closed and stuff, we actually need to loosen our labour laws a lot looser than they were pre-pandemic. Because I was sitting um, in Manila Airport and there was a plane heading to LA on one side and it was a uh, Dreamliner 787. And for those of you plane nerds like me, the 737 that's going to Australia on the left-hand side, right? It's two gates side by side. Our plane was full of expats and probably about 15 to 20 Filipinos, OFWs, uh, overseas foreign workers is what they call them in the Philippines. And on the LA plane, it was chockers of OFW people because they have broader employment rules in the US. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, isn't this interesting? We've got a lot more foreign labour going into the US and providing services to US citizens. I found that really interesting. Now, bear with me, and I'm not trying to be racist here, but America has their own Mexicans. So Mexicans are considered the cheapest form of labor because of uh, illegal immigration across the borders and things. So they're always the people in the movies, you know, that are paid below the award wage, blah, blah, blah. So think of this. America has their own supply of cheap labor, yet they're still promoting foreign labor to assist in all those jobs that they can't fill in their domestic level. I think this is where Australia's at. I think we need to take a much different approach to it. The old story of, oh, they're stealing our jobs. That doesn't work anymore. Those days are over. Nobody wants to go fruit picking out west, even the big dollars. Nobody wants to make a coffee in the city at five o'clock in the morning. Well, guess what? There are plenty of people around the world that want to do it, that can speak English, that would come in in a heartbeat if they're allowed in, that would actually solve our labor shortage. So I really hope the government takes this opportunity to reset our employment guidelines because I'm telling you now, people coming in and doing all these jobs, they're not taking Australian jobs because there's no Australian lining up to do it. So that's that's my thought that hit me when I was sitting last time in the airport and it ties straight into what we're facing right now. So is that me, WTF, word of the week? Yeah. Oh, what's the jargon? What's the jargon? So I wanted to talk about CTR, which is something you may have heard of. It's a bit of a marketing term, and it actually stands for click-through rate. So that's CTR. Now, the click-through rate is the percentage of your audience that advances from one part of your website or advertising onto the next step of your marketing. So, for example, it could be you send an email in that email is a link to your website and they click through and use that link to your website and then once they're on their website whatever page they land on they then click through to purchasing the actual product or booking your service so CTR click through rate a bit of a marketing term for you What's on in Logan this week? Well, obviously on the 11th, it is Remembrance Day, so there is a number of things happening in and around Logan. But there is also, at the uh, Meadowbrook Golf Course, there is also the female founders of Logan are having a, a workshop on, which is how to get the most of your mentoring relationships. And then obviously uh, 13th, Aussie Pet Collective, it's their first birthday, so head on down and check them out. It's time for this week's Nickyism. Yo, a Nicky what? What's a Nickyism? Nickyism, a strategy and or saying that Nicky says, which when used, will get you ahead faster. Hey, Coach Nicky, what's it going to be? This one's a quick one. It's win 186. And what it says is win one thing in an eight-hour day, six days a week, take one day rest, and there's your seven days. What I'm 
trying to use this one for is to take pressure off yourself. So if you can just win one big item a day every day for six days, and let's say you take two weeks off a year, which is about the average of what a business owner takes off in Australia, then you're going to achieve 300 things in a year that you're going to achieve and make decisions on if they're big items. I'm not talking about take out the trash, but I'm talking about one key decision in your business every day where you're moving the needle further and further towards success. So one, eight, six, one item in eight hours, six days a week, because the seventh day is for you to recharge. There's 300 items that you're going to win in a year. And of course, our one thing for this week? I think it should be about next week's show, um, how to grow your business using social media. So what do you want them to do, the one thing? Do you want to dare them? I would love our listeners to go live on a social media platform and tag us in. Yes. Instagram, Facebook, go live and tag us in and just talk to the camera. And you know what? It's... Don't, you don't have to create anything. Just report on what you're doing. If you're cutting someone's hair, talk to them having a haircut. If you're fixing a car, show me what's wrong with it or show the oil being changed. Or if you're mowing a lawn, go, have check this lawn out. It's a feral. And look how good it looks after I finished. Like, you don't have to create stuff. You have to report stuff. And we'll do it too. Okay, you're on. I'll do it We're, too. Yeah, we'll do it. Right, okay. I'll do it too. That's it. Coaches, thanks very much. We'll catch you again next Monday I'll night. i take that as a yes. The Business <laughs> 101 yes. Show. <laughs> You should seek your own independent legal and financial advice before making any decisions about what's right for you. Coach Nikki is a business coach, and any recommendations made during the show should be considered as points of reference only. You are responsible for yourself and your decision. That, that, that was the Business 101 Show with your host, Coach Nikki. Logan 101's very own Mal West. For podcasts and resources, visit our sponsor, CoachNikki.com. Remember what Nikki always says. Version 1 is better than version 9. You've been listening to the Business 101 Show podcast, as heard on Logan City's 101 FM on Monday nights. If you have a question on business, or maybe you'd like to be interviewed on our show, get in touch. Email us, info at business101show.com.au. That's info at business101show.com.au. We're on Instagram and Facebook too. You can find all those details at our website, business101show.com.au.